0: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forthelove for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash for the love.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill.
2: with
1: your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast
0: every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. I am your happy host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. So this episode is the first in a brand new series that me and the whole team are really excited about. And it's called For the Love of Finding the Truth. Okay, just a little topic none of us have been thinking about over the past couple of years. Um, It's just an interesting time to be alive. And finding the truth has probably never been a bigger deal to me. And I wonder if a lot of you feel the same way. And just over the last couple of years, it feels like, Ideas and ideals and people that we have held in very high esteem in a number of areas have just crumbled away or disappointed us or even betrayed us. And I mean, skewing one direction, never in our lives have we heard the words fake news more than we have since 2016, right? I mean, I'm just more determined than ever to make sure that I am listening to people and sources who are credible, who are trustworthy who are telling it like it really is. Um, and so in this series, I want to talk to people who are on the same quest as me, who are finding the truth in a, in a reasonable, incredible way, full of integrity and living it in their work and in their lives. So that's what you're going to get in this whole series. Um, so I am the biggest fan of my next guests. And you know this, if you've been around me at all, Um, not only did I have them on the podcast last fall, in fact, this is our second repeat guest ever. Um, And I, they were on a bonus episode to debrief with about my interview about bed or and talk about midterms. Um, But we also teased their brand new book, which I'm still excited about um, and endorsed it. You'll see why in a minute. Brilliant minds behind the podcast pantsuit politics tons of you listen to Pantsuit. I mean, and for good reason. So if you don't know about it, it's a bipartisan show that has these very grace-filled intellectual political conversations, and it's hosted by two working moms. So it's Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. And their mantra is no shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance, right? So exactly like what we see in the news cycle, except opposite. Um, so every Tuesday and Friday, Sarah and Beth hash out what's going on in the news and they concentrate on listening to the other host first and then talking politics second, because they believe that people come before politics. I mean, these girls are the greatest. I'm not the only person who's in love with them. The Guardian named Pantsuit Politics one of the best podcasts of 2017. They've been featured everywhere from like Morning Joe, Bloomberg News, Elle, Bustle, tons more. And like I said, their new book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Still Listening, is such a useful tool for us right now in this political climate. So Sarah and Beth are real life friends, and they aren't afraid to talk about hard things, which you'll see. I mean, we're going to unpack all sorts of things. We're going to talk about um, gerrymandering and voter ID laws. We're going to talk about their predictions for the 2020 election. Um, we are going to talk about the Electoral College, and, and, and they have some differing ideas on a lot of this, and we're, it's all in this episode. Um, they're both super smart. Um, Sarah served a term on the city commission in Paducah, Kentucky, and Beth is a lawyer who has her own life and business coaching practice near Cincinnati. So they love their families. They love their communities. They love America and they love each other and they agree and disagree with each other. Um, it is, I know, is that possible? It's possible. Wait until you see. If, if you have not had a, um, a good example put in front of you of how to love and respect your fellow friend and citizen who thinks differently than you then this episode is going to be so it's going to sound like a relief to you the tone of it the nature of it um, the humility inside of it the kindness it's just um, there's a reason I subscribe to these girls so I'm so pleased to share my conversation again with the smart and fierce ladies of pantsuit politics all right welcome back to two of my favorite girls hello to Beth and Sarah welcome back
3: Hello, thank, thank you for, having, you for us. having us. We always do that in stereo. We don't plan it. It just
0: felt <laughs> that well every time.
3: <laughs>
0: you guys know how I feel about you. I'm just a huge fan. And um I I admire you both, respect much, and I like you. So um for all my listeners who didn't hear my interview with you two the first time around, and we'll link to that listeners, because um the girls and I had a fantastic conversation. Um sometime last year and it was a really popular episode. So right now, just imagining that a lot of my listeners are new to you, can you guys talk just a little bit more about each of your own personal selves? Um I am a obvious huge fan of pantsuit politics and what you do and how you're creating smart and important and thoughtful dialogue in the world. And so tell everybody a little bit what what your what's your deal. Each of you, what's your deal? Um, How did you guys get together and then ultimately decide this is a thing that we need? This is something the world needs and we're going to do it together.
2: I love the question, what's your deal? So it's my deal. Okay, (laughs)
0: Okay, so this is Beth, everybody, just so you're starting to like learn voices. Okay. This is Beth. I grew up
2: on a dairy farm in Western Kentucky. And as soon as 24-hour news was a thing, it was on in my home. My parents really cared a lot about what was going on in the world around them. They read the newspaper every morning, like the physical newspaper that you unfold and has all the pages, you know? And I remember every moment of Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearings on our television and ODA, Chase, that is what my home was like. It was not partisan. My parents never cared a lot about the politics of it as much as just hmm. what is happening and what should we be learning about it and what's our role in understanding it. And I'm so grateful for that growing up. I also learned living on a dairy farm, as anybody who's done any kind of farming knows, that you can work super, super hard and that's still not get it done sometimes. You know, you can plant the crops and tend them and it still doesn't rain enough where it rains too much or the prices are bad this year or whatever. And so that's kind of how I grew up viewing the world, that you work really, really hard, but then there's also an element of the chip going to fall and we just need to figure out the world and understand it the best we can. So I went to college, I went to law school, I hated being a lawyer every single minute of it. Mm-hmm. I did it for six years and then I became an HR within the law firm industry. And that was better, but still not my jam. And while I was on uh, parental leave, I reached out to Sarah and thus begins the Pantsuit Politics origin story, which Sarah is the official teller
3: of.
0: (laughs) Okay, perfect.
3: And so everything Beth said, basically, take that, flip it and reverse it. Because I grew up in a family. I didn't watch a lot of news. Um, The news wasn't sort of the central narrative, but there was a lot of political talk. I grew up in a very conservative, um, political, evangelical church. And so I grew up, by the time I was in high school, I was conservative and strongly evangelical, thought I had it all figured out in my politics, and then went to college, had not even heard, literally when I went to college, I had not heard the term third world, never heard it in my life, and really did a 180 on my politics. Um, By Hmm. the time the presidential race was our freshman year, the 2000 presidential race was our freshman year in college. Fun fact. Yep. Yep. It was quite a a baptism by fire, I would say, and um, was already like, totally had switched my political affiliation, Hmm. was hardcore Democrat. Uh So I was a political science major. Then I went to Washington, D.C., where I went to law school, worked for Hillary Clinton's 2007 presidential campaign, worked for... Um, Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey was just, I was all in. And then in 2009, I, I looked at my husband and said, Hey, would you like to take a two thirds pay cut and move back to hometown of Paducah, Kentucky to raise our kids? I mean, who <laughs> wouldn't, you know, right, who wouldn't? Exactly. exactly. Right. And he was like, that's an interesting idea. I think I'm a no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well me and the baby are going to go and you are welcome to join us. Oh, um, it was, it, he says it wasn't quite like that. That's how I remember it. Okay. Um, So we moved back to Kentucky in 2009 and short order had three sons and I was doing, I was barred, but I wasn't practicing because aforementioned three sons I had in very short order. And then um, I started doing parenting blogging and would, once I got my personal blog, I started with a, with a two person blog and then moved to my own personal space. And I would just roll up, I would do like, post on stroller reviews, next post, this is what I think about the in Civil War. Like, I did not care. Totally. Like, I would just do it. Like, it's my space, right? So when I was writing those posts, Beth was on parental leave, and she reached out and said, hey, would you ever be interested in, like, a guest post from an, another perspective? And I'm like, yeah. She wrote this really beautiful post called Nuance. That at the yeah. time, we were all fighting about Cecil the Lion. God bless our sweet, sweethearts. Oh, that was Remember a more Cecil? innocent time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we thought it was, mm-hmm. but people were hauled up about Cecil True, the Lion. True, they were. And she said, like, "Hey, we don't have to do it this way. Like, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have to ascribe our entire identity to yeah. the number one social media controversy in this moment. Like, okay. we could not." Is what we could do instead, um, and everybody loved it. It went really well, and I had been batting around the idea of a podcast because my husband was like, "Start a podcast, start a podcast, you should start a podcast." Mm-hmm. So, with so podcasting, and I thought I would interview all my friends, female friends in politics. I knew Hillary was probably going to run again, and I thought, okay, well, this will be good. Like, I can enter I can do some really fun women who work in politics spaces, yeah. But- I like to answer questions, not ask them. This is important to know this. Um, And so I did one and it just kind of sat there. And yeah. then when Beth wrote that post, I thought, oh, hold on a second. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what if we did a podcast? Right. So she said, what's a podcast? And I said, don't worry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, got, well, we got that
3: part figured out. And so we did a test call. I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. We talked. I said, let's just get on the phone and talk and, about politics and see how it goes. And like an hour in, I said, we're not going to talk anymore unless we're recording it. We had really great. good chemistry from the beginning. Yeah. We just have very complementary personalities and approaches. Yeah. And so it's interesting. But what's so, I what's so important to point out is when we had that phone call, when we did this, yes, we, had, we were sorority sisters and we had gone to college, but we had not seen each other in 13 years. We were yeah, not right. friends. We built this friendship talking about that's politics great. several hours a week. And that's what I really always want people to know is that it wasn't we had this big basis of trust, yeah. but we wanted to build a relationship together. So we we prioritized. We were careful mm-hmm. with one another when we talked about these hard things. And mm-hmm. that's how we built that relationship over time and the podcast, which other people wanted to listen to, which was so awesome.
0: <laughs> it was awesome. And a lot of people wanted to listen to it. And that's why. Like, that is why you set an example kind of in every way and at every layer at what was possible when really all, all we're really seeing and still is kind of this binary option. It either ha- it's it's all or nothing in here. And you guys are showing us this third way. Um without either one of you ever sacrificing your ideology or your convictions. And I mean it is rare. You're like a unicorn right now. And I think this is why you are getting so much attention. So all right girls, thank you for that background. Um, I, I'm excited that you told the origin story here because I want everybody listening right now to know that both of you have done what everyone else is saying is impossible, which is we do not have to leave our humanity behind, even when we disagree with each other politically. And so that is the tone of your work, and it's definitely the tone of this episode. So obviously 2020 is fast approaching, which means Well, I mean, not only is the political machine cranking up again, it's been cranked. Mm I feel like it's, I feel like we've been in campaign season for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, what's the chatter around pantsuit politics lately? What are you guys talking about? What is your audience seem most concerned about? Like where are you like sort of, what button are you putting your fingers on?
2: I think there are two buttons, and you're not wrong that we've been in campaign season for a year and a half now. Thank so you. part of it is yeah. that it's 2020, and not just the presidential race. There are really important Senate and congressional races totally. in 2020. There are important gubernatorial yeah. races. So we're trying to talk about all of that. We're going to do some of that on the ground. We're going to Iowa for the caucuses. We're going to New Great. Hampshire for the first-in-the-nation primary. We're going yeah. to the conventions. The other thing that people want us to talk about is immigration that, you know, our audience cares about yeah. the border and they want to hear what's going mm-hmm. on and how they can help, and they want to cull through all of the noise and understand yep. what's real. And so those are the two places that we're spending most of our time right now.
0: Can you high level your thoughts on
3: immigration right now? For me, when I have these conversations with our audience outside in my real life, what I realize what's really brought into stark relief. It's a book by Jonathan Haidt called The Righteous Mind. And it just talks about how we're motivated by different values. And it's not that they're bad or wrong or one's better than the other. And when I have conversations, especially about the crisis at the border, I hear a conflict between care, which is predominantly a left value and respect for authority, which is a predominantly right value. And it's like we're just talking past each other. Um, mm-hmm. And you need both. You do need both. Mm-hmm. I have a society yeah. that's only driving principle is care. I know if you're a person who's motivated by care, there's a, like this instinct, of, like why not? Why can't we just care for everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't work. And yeah. you do need the people who have um, respect for authority and loyalty to the group. Like those are important values inside yeah. of a inside of a government and particularly in a nation. Mm-hmm. And so I just hear that, like. We are speaking different languages and because we will not, you know, I always say that the currency we're dealing in is um, sort of giving each other the benefit of the doubt And because we cannot Mm -hmm. give each other the benefit of the doubt that I don't actually think you hate children. Right. And I don't really think that you want to just let everyone flood in here. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, we can't, we're just, it just feels like we're butting heads. Children get caught in the middle Whenever we're at an impasse like that, because they don't have power, they don't have a, the ability to advocate for themselves, um, they don't have that currency set that so often runs in a system like ours, they get caught. And as a mother, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we hear from our listeners, and that's definitely how both of us feel. It's just, it's brutal. It's brutal to have mm-hmm. children those ages and see what's happening. Yeah. It's just so brutal. Nice. Um And it's frustrating as someone who thinks a lot about political identity and why we can't listen to one another to hear us just scream past each other over and over and over again when we have these big problems to address and solve. Mm,
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think that so many of us feel just hamstrung watching Mm -hmm. it and wondering, gosh, what is our path through going to be that is reasonable and that isn't... All this or all that, but you know something reasonable in the middle, and I just I I'm looking for that voice in the world. I don't. It's so hard to find right now. I appreciate you um, dissecting that a little bit for us.
2: Anytime you try to have a conversation about this, somebody goes to, uh-huh. well, this administration did it or that administration, yeah. and and that that does not solve the problem. The giant is here. That's right. And whatever terms you're framing this in, we're letting each other off the hook by letting. Representatives tell us, well, compre- comprehensive immigration reform is necessary and it's hard. Right. But mm-hmm. right now, today, mm-hmm. there are people flooding into this country in totally unsafe conditions, mm-hmm. and we don't have a better answer for them. And it's That's preventing right. us, I think, from, from getting creative. Why Why are we administering our border at the border between the United States and Mexico, when the crisis is happening in the Northern Triangle, let's hmm. go over there and start talking about where are people going. Let's cooperate with other nations and help those nations come together and, like, have a place where if you're going to be a yeah. refugee leaving this country, this is your first stop. And we help figure out where you can go. We are stuck and we don't have to be stuck. You know, if we can just stop pointing fingers at each other, there are ways hmm. to solve this problem. And we know how to do it. Just no one's leading on it right now.
0: Mm, That's great. Thank you for that, Beth. That's a great perspective. Um, Let me ask you guys this. So the two of you are incredibly dialed into arguably the the two biggest reserves of information that the average American citizen has, which is Washington and the media. Um, And so this matters. And I am really anxious to hear your thoughts on this because... Is anybody in in either of these spaces, coming out of D.C., coming out of the media, is anybody telling the truth? I mean, obviously, we understand that nobody can be 100% objective. That's a real challenge. I mean, I know that's the goal, but I think most of us understand the, the struggles with objectivity. But if if the people want to take responsibility for the information we take in, I mean, never, ever has this been more important. Make sure that we are setting ourselves up to make well-rounded decisions based on facts and not spin. Um, how do we start doing that? This matters so much always, but definitely in election cycle.
2: The thing that we talk to people about a lot in this category is not having an expectation that you're gonna hear something that's objective, but having an expectation of transparency. So if Mm. you're reading a source that is more left-leaning, you identify it as such and know that. And if you're reading a source that's more right-leaning, you identify it as such and know that, but that doesn't mean there's nothing valuable there. It's okay Mm. to have bias. You can still hear information. And then you just Mm. wanna read from a couple of different sources and see if you're getting a theme that's coming across. I always tell people, if you see something on Twitter or Facebook, and it's only coming from one place, then you need to just hit pause and wait to see if other places pick it up. There is not a scoop here in 2019, you know, Hmm. that lasts for more than 10 seconds. If it's real, if it's legitimate, you're going to see it across the board. And so look for that. And the other thing that's important to me, and then um, Sarah has some really good things to say about this, is that I think we have to take responsibility for how we're listening. It's really easy to be mad at how the being delivered, but a lot of us are listening for a conclusion when that's not our responsibility as citizens. Our responsibility Mm. is to listen for questions.
0: That's
3: great. I like that. What do you think, Sarah? And I think it's really hard because there are different news habits on each side, right? There's really interesting data that says people on the left trust a wide variety of sources and people on the right, for the most part, trust one, which is Fox News. Now, look, there's nothing wrong necessarily with reading Fox News and a wide variety of media diet. But if you're only trusting one source, to me, that's the problem, because in 2019, it's, you know, Walter Cronkite's been dead for a long time. It's not going to go back to that, because I think that we live in a global environment. And also- not only is the flow of information coming in, but when one person's sorting it, then you really don't have a lot of transparency. You really have, we're just taking in one perspective. And I think there is a growing understanding that people need help sorting all that information. And by that, I don't mean one source, but where they feel like they can sort of see the landscape in one kind of swift look. And there are a lot of really good startups, I think, trying to address this concern. So there's a great website called All Sides. So you can see they'll identify left sources, right sources, and moderate sources. And you can see what their top stories are, which I always think is so interesting and helpful. Just see what their top headlines are. There's also a new email. I love getting my news via email. Big fan of that. So there's a new email called service called The New Paper, and they're literally like, it's like number one, one sentence, two additional sentences. Like they're just trying to break it down mm. and say, this is the big stuff happening. They're not giving you a mm-hmm. lot of detail because that's where you can start to see the perspective come through, mm-hmm. I think is their thesis basically. But they'll let you link to other stories outside of that. Um, and of course we do it. I do a news brief every morning on our Instagram channel where I try to cover, I look across all those sources and say what's bubbling up over and over again across all these Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, if there are people out there that understand Nobody has time if you're not if you don't work in media or politics to go all these different sources and sort them out. So let's see if we can put together a summary of what's going on quickly without people worrying that we're inserting all this different perspective. I think, you yeah. know, what's troubling is that once there even if there is a perspective that, again, it's that benefit of the doubt. Well, if it's a perspective I disagree with, then everything they say is a lie, and that to me is hmm. the problem. There are American citizens who work for both Fox News and the New York Times. I, I mean, I know right. that's shocking. Um, and so they they care about their country. They're doing the best they can. They can they can have a perspective you disagree with. They can have a slant hmm. you disagree with. The idea that there's this mass conspiracy to lie to everyone to me is like the troubling line we've crossed recently. I think a thing that's hard about this, too, Walter Cronkite
2: centered one type of experience. So when we said we had we had trust in the news, it was through the lens of the white middle class, you know, above middle class. male. So part of the reason the news is so confusing right now is because more voices are bringing perspectives to it. And that's great. We just have to handle the downside of that challenge. Yes, it's confusing, mm. it's harder. Sometimes you read something that hurts to read or that is yeah. just really difficult to get through, but that's good work that you're doing. And and I don't think mm. we need to categorize everything that's happening as fake or as Sarah said, a conspiracy when a lot of it is just bringing to light perspectives that we have not done a good job considering.
0: That's great. I, I couldn't agree more. I think there is a real... Um deterrent right now in media consumption, which is that discomfort must be discredited. Mm-hmm. And that is how we find ourselves in our, in our silos. That's how we cannot bridge the divide. And so I appreciate your consistent counsel that feeling a little bit uncomfortable with a different perspective is okay. That's, that should be normal because there is no one way through any political landscape. In any conceivable format where all of this is
3: right and all of yep. this is wrong nobody has a monopoly <clears throat> on being right and like no you shouldn't in politics or news if you're always comfortable i'm concerned Yes, I'm concerned if life, if you're always comfortable, I'll be honest with you. Right. If you're never bumping up against your own biases, your own prejudice, where your own misunderstanding, where you didn't have all the facts, this has happened for me over and over and over again when we do this podcast, because I adopted a party line and I brought the zeal of the converted and over and over again, I have to bump up and wait, why do I care about this so strongly? wait. wait, wait. I think I totally misunderstood this. I did not have any experience with this. So I just adopted the party line and that led. Yep to some really backwards thinking on my part. And so that's hard work, but it's so important.
0: It is. I mean, I think, I honestly think this is the, this is the linchpin right there. Like that is the place where if we are willing to sort of humbly and generously approach our own politics and convictions and listen um, with, you know, I'm going to believe the best in you at first, I, I just would change everything. guys, Jen with a quick break and a recommendation about a resource I think is really, really interesting. So tons of us are juggling multiple hats, you know, career, home, family, kids, and maybe you're like me and you see someone doing something cool that interests you. Or maybe you just have a big idea for a great business or a new venture, but you're not sure where to start. So Here is a great place to start with Skillshare. So Skillshare is basically an online community for creators. You've been wanting to get into photography, they have classes for that want to learn how to use and grow social media, they have one for that too. Guys, they have more than 25,000 classes in design, business, tons more. So you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a pretty cool offer just for my listeners. Skillshare is offering the For the Love community, Two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for absolutely free. Super easy to sign up. Just go to skillshare.com slash for the love, and you can start your two free months right away. So this is a great investment in you, in your work, in your creativity, in your dreams, in your future. This is a no brainer. So skillshare.com slash for the love. Okay. Back to our show. You guys are a a brain trust for me and your listeners on all things political. So there's a few things I'd like to talk to you about. um, Because um, sometimes these things are confusing um, or or, or complicated. And obviously, these are things that the country is going to start talking about again a lot frequently, and they matter, they're important really soon um, in this cycle. So here's the first one. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about the Electoral College? Why is it still around? And because, you know, there's a lot, there's some buzz around the Electoral College right now. And um, why does voting even matter in a world that has the Electoral College where it's not each vote counts?
2: So this is fun news for a lot of Americans. Our Constitution does not give us the right to vote as individuals. The Constitution says that our president gets elected by states. And states get to decide how they're going to award their electoral college votes. And most states have decided to do that through a popular vote where they either take the results of the popular vote and give all of their electoral college votes to that person. Or where they award them proportionally. A couple of states do that. So if 50 yeah. percent of the state, you know, 56 percent voted for this candidate and 44 voted for the other candidate, that's how they're going to apportion their electoral college votes. And so um, that happens because we're a republic. That's why it's still around, that we still believe in that state structure Sarah and I have some some disagreement. We see the electoral college a little bit differently, but we did talk about this recently, and we came to a compromise. Sarah, you want to tell her about the compromise?
3: Okay. Yeah, I definitely feel differently. I'm I'm just gonna throw back to previously when I said my first presidential election was 2000. So okay, I right. voted in five presidential elections. I voted with the popular vote winner four times, okay. and I've seen my candidate serve twice. So that's frustrating. That's what we call frustrating. Um, (laughs) And it can feel very disempowering. So for me, though, the importance of voting, even in this system, is because I want to participate in a system even if I feel like it needs to have systematic change. And the systematic change can come in a lot of different ways. And so when we started talking about this, I knew we disagreed. And so I was really interested that we came to this um, compromise. So there's a movement right now called the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. And what that is, is states can individually pass legislation that says once enough states sign on to this compact, and I forgot a number, Beth. Do you remember the number? It's like two 218. I don't know the exact number of electoral votes. But once enough states get to this threshold, then we all pledge our electoral votes to the popular vote winner. So it's a hmm. really interesting concept, right? So California signed on. They're like really Kind of a hybrid almost. Yeah, it is. because it's. And I think what appeals about this to Beth is that it's the states making the decision. So it's not the federal oh, yeah. government come in and saying, we're not going to use the electoral college anymore. It's states saying, oh, we're going to use it. We're going to participate in it a different way. And every state is deciding. And so hmm. once they get to that certain threshold, then it would basically be, a popular vote because enough states would have signed on that said, we're gonna go with the popular vote. So you wouldn't see, you know, what happened in twenty sixteen where you have giant states and the, the margin is so thin where right. the votes were, you know, these swing votes, these swing states, the vote the vote margin was thin. It wouldn't it wouldn't really matter because they would be going with the popular vote if they'd signed on to this compact, no matter what. So mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've had it, they've, they've taken off in the last, not surprisingly, um, since 2016, a lot more states have signed on. Interestingly enough, Nevada, I think was about to push them over and the democratic governor of Nevada vetoed the legislation. So I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if they're going to override it, but, um, I mean, I think that's a good, if we're concerned about states and the states are making the decision and then we're back and then, but eventually we get to a popular vote, um, situation, which is very much what I want.
0: Mm. And how do you feel about that sort of proposal, um, Beth?
2: I do like it because states are making the decision. I think it's important to preserve states and the rights of states and the interests of states. And I think that abolishing the Electoral College walks away from some realities that were important to the compromise that, that led to all of our states being together in one nation. But I also understand why people feel so frustrated and so disempowered. And so mm. I think this is a way to say that the national popular vote matters and what our neighbors care about matters to us. Mm. And so we're going to voluntarily band together. This kind of really rings a lot of bells for me, you know, because I I like action that is voluntary, not coerced. And so to me, this is saying, we're going to voluntarily care what our neighbors think and enter into this pact to, to have our electoral college votes reflect the national popular vote.
0: So staying in this vein, um, A couple of months ago, the Supreme Court made a pretty big ruling on gerrymandering, um, which is kind of a big deal. And so I wonder if you can explain what is gerrymandering? Like, what is it? Why does it matter so much? Why Why do people care about this right now? And what do you see as solutions?
2: Gerrymandering has been around since the 1800s. There was a newspaper that saw a district shaped like a salamander, and that's why we call it gerrymandering. There are three kinds of gerrymandering that the Supreme Court has taken up in recent years, and two of them the court says it has an ability to help with, and one it doesn't. So one type of gerrymandering is racial gerrymandering, where legislators have looked at a state and tried to pack districts – or dilute districts based on race. And the Supreme Court says that mm-hmm. is not allowed under our Constitution. That violates your equal right. protection rights under the 14th Amendment. Another type is where legislators manipulate the numbers in districts based on like really outdated census data, for example. And the way they mm-hmm. apportion the districts Deprives people of their vote mattering as much as their neighbors, not in terms of who they vote for and who actually gets elected, but in terms of actually how they're represented in the district. And the Supreme Court mm. also says that's a no, and federal courts can spin and say so. The third kind mm. is where the Supreme Court has said we can't do this, and that is pure partisan gerrymandering, where mm. people are frustrated because. The number of legislators or representatives from their states don't match the breakdown of partisan sentiment in the state. Right. Yes. Or where actual votes for parties um, don't produce proportional representation. And the Supreme yeah. Court says, sorry, guys, that that is just pure politics and we don't mm-hmm. have jurisdiction to interfere. And the opinion in this is really interesting to follow. It's been widely criticized, lots of discussion about it. It was a 5-4 decision on what we think of as party lines. But the court talked about how, like, the question here is fairness, and here are five versions Mm. of what might be fair. And that's why we as a court aren't good at these kinds of decisions. We really Mm. need citizens and
3: legislatures to get it together on this front. Mm. It's really interesting because... You know, as someone who wanted a different decision, I mean, you will see where we're getting into one person, one vote. You're seeing cities where one, where you have a, like, it's basically a majority minority state. So the majority of voters in the state by pure numbers are Democrats, but the majority of representatives are Republicans or vice versa. And it's really frustrating. And I think what's frustrating about this decision is what had been preventing the Supreme Court from getting involved, and I get it, is how are we going to do this where it's not political? We're just not handing the the advantage back to the other side. But with the advent of computers, there had been a lot of really interesting ways to do this. Like, just let a computer do it. (laughs) Like, we had algorithms in geographic input, and so we could just let a computer—and so a lot of people— okay well they'll have an out they'll say okay well now we found a way this was something um justice kennedy before he left the court seemed to be leaning towards like if you can show me a fair way to do this where it's not court drawing the line i might be interested and so there was this well let's let the computers draw the line alas it didn't happen Hmm.
0: what do you see as next steps here I, i was i was i was watching a um a segment on gerrymandering yesterday on CBS Sunday morning because apparently I'm 69 years old.
3: Whatever. <laughs> that show is um, fantastic. I've been watching it thank since you. I was a kid. No way. That's true. Really okay, tough. same.
0: Brandon's like, I don't explain to me the set design. I'm like, Brandon, don't mess with CBS. It's soothing. Sunday morning. Like, Listen. thank you. It's soothing. That's literally the word I said. Uh-huh. It's soothing. Um, anyway, I was watching a segment on gerrymandering and I was, I just turned to Brandon and went, how did this ever happen? Like, Whoever decided we are going to engineer the most wonky, ridiculous district lining to get what we want. I I honestly can't believe it was ever approved in the first place. It feels so anti-democratic. And um, do you see, do you think this will move into a new phase of its reform? Do you think, you know, this is what the Supreme court has handed down. Is this now settled or do you see this, rolling forward into a new space, kind of with a different idea, maybe.
3: What you're seeing with gerrymandering, what you're seeing with the Electoral College, what you're seeing with a lot of things is that the system is trying to protect itself in the status quo, which for better or for worse, was set up and has been used for a long time to protect certain power owning groups. I mean, don't forget, they used to, the Senate was elected by states, like the state Senate and state houses I think, I can't remember if it's one of the other, but it wasn't, people weren't electing their senators. It was the state bodies. Mm. And we had a big progressive movement that was like the industrial age came along and people were like, you know what? i got some more power than I thought I did. And this doesn't work for Mm. me anymore. And so I think what you're seeing is that another phase of that, we don't like the way this works and we have more of an ability to organize because of the internet and to assert our opinion and say, I don't like this and that doesn't seem very democratic to me and I want it to change. Mm. So I think you'll see, this is a setback for sure, but I think you'll see that um, that surge of interest in state legislation, like like the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, where we'll say, okay, well, fine, we'll just get it done another way. Just real quick, I see it a little bit differently.
2: I don't see this okay. decision as a setback as much as a call to action, because hmm. the truth about gerrymandering, whether it's been done by Democrats or Republicans, is that it protects incumbents. Hmm. And yes. We yeah. all understand that. The better we can exercise our power at the voting booth. And I also hmm. think that voter registration is the way to deal with this. So few people hmm. vote that gerrymandering is pretty easy. You look at historic data, the same people are reliably voting, and that's why they're able to predict these districts so accurately. If hmm. 10, 15% more people voting every year, I think we'll see different results. I think we'll dilute the effect of gerrymandering, and I think we'll take some of the power back.
0: That's interesting. Well, speaking of that, that's a great segue. Um, because another big topic on the, on the books right now is voter ID laws. And so I wonder if you can talk to us, both of you about which states are making waves right now by changing their laws, kicking people off the polls. Um, what's going on here? I'd like to hear your take on this. And then just as an addendum, how do we check if we are still registered to vote? Because people might be surprised.
3: Well, you definitely want to go to your local Secretary of State's website. Most it's, you know, it varies by state and the user, the ease of the use definitely varies by state. Um, but most states have, a web, all states have a website, depending on how easy it is to use, that you can go on and check and see where you're registered and to check um, the requirements and whether you're meeting the requirement after polling places and all that very, very important information. There's also a lot of just national websites where you can plug that in and find it as well. You just want to be careful about
2: those national websites, you know, because your secretary of state is going to have the most accurate information. Um, Mm. And, and if they don't give you data, like call the office, like it. Some states don't make this easy on the websites, but call the office. It's Mm -hmm. their job to let you know if you're registered. When's the deadline to change your party registration, which is really important. If you're in a state with closed primaries, you need to find that out, too. Can I Mm -hmm. vote in this primary if I want to or not? And how far in advance do I have to make that decision? So this is one to
0: do Mm -hmm. very far in advance of an election. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about voter ID law. ID laws that are being either reversed or introduced that really have a real effect on voters. Why are they happening? Like, I wonder if you could just speak frankly um, about it. And uh, what what do you suggest as our entry point for um, engagement here?
3: So I love the way the ACLU put this, which is voter ID requirements are a solution in search of a problem. Um, huh. The idea that we have in-person <laughs> voter fraud. And it's this massive, massive epidemic. It's just, there's just no data. There's no data. data. None. Yeah. Yeah. It says a recent study in 2000 found that there were 31 credible allegations of voter impersonation. I mean, just mm-hmm. know the people in your life. Do you know a lot of people who have a lot of time to go pretend they're somebody else and risk a felony right. to cast a vote? Like, right. <laughs> it's just a, not a thing. And But what right. they are is they're a form of intimidation there is a vo- there a form of voter suppression. And I think this is very, very difficult to think about if you don't have experiences, if you don't have experience outside, particularly of a white middle-class experience, um, if you've never had um, run-ins with government authorities that left you feeling intimidated, left you arrested, yeah. left you like, it's just, it's a hard thing to say, if you've always trusted the government and you've never had run-ins with the government or the police to say, what's the big deal with presenting your ID? Not to mention that yeah. a lot of people don't have IDs. A lot of people don't have the mm-hmm. right photo identification or they IDs cost money they or don't the, address, they
1: right? don't have an address. address right?
3: Like it's just, it, this is one where it's, we have to step a little bit out of our own experiences a lot to understand mm-hmm. Um, why this is why this is intimidating and why it's problematic. Um, it's why you see in minority districts signs go up that say they'll they'll get you for back child support if you show up to vote, or they'll get yeah. you for this fee if you show up to vote. Um, it's just yeah. intimidation. and it's and it's a form of protecting the status quo and to keep historically suppressed populations out of this out of the system and to keep them from participating.
0: Mm, Yeah. Any thoughts,
2: Beth? I think that's right. And I think if you care about this and want to know what you can do, there are lots of things you can do. Your church or nonprofit organization or business could say, hey, if you don't have an address, you can use ours. You can... Mm. Work with um, indigenous groups that are trying to make sure that tribal citizens have the idea that they need to vote because this issue has yes. very seriously impacted Native Americans. Yes. There are lots of ways that you can get involved. Again, this is a thing that cannot wait till the election. So if this issue Mm. speaks to your heart and feels like your work, I would start Googling, you know, voter outreach efforts in your state now so that you can help make Mm. a difference for people in time for them to be able to vote. You could just check with your secretary of state or your local clerk's office. Say, is there a fund for people who can not pay fees to get these IDs? I'd like to contribute to it. There are lots of ways to help.
0: Yeah, those are great solutions. Thank you. I hadn't thought of half those. Hey guys, you have heard me talk about how much I love FabFitFun. It's this seasonal subscription box that helps me discover a ton of new products. It is delivered four times a year with absolutely full-size, like not little samples, full-sized beauty, home, lifestyle, fitness products that retail for more than $200 but you pay $49.99 a box. So I am excited to tell you that the fall 2019 box is on pre sale right this very minute. And I'm sworn to secrecy about what's inside. But I did get a sneak peek. And I'm telling you, and I promise you, you're going to love this box. There's so many great things inside for the fall. I think probably my favorite thing I've ever gotten in one of my boxes was the most stylish pair of black aviator sunglasses. I protect them like my life depends on it still. So just for our podcast listeners, with the code FTL, you can get $10 off your first box. So to sign up, go to fabfitfun.com and use the promo code FTL to get $10 off your first box. So FabFitFun.com and then use my code FTL to get $10 off your first box. When you were on the uh, podcast last fall, we talked a little bit about your then upcoming book. I think you're wrong, but I'm still listening. You know that I love, well, all of it. Love the title. Brilliant. Love the book specifically, now that I have read it from cover to cover, um, endorsed it, all of it, love it. So talk for just a minute about the book, and what you are hoping that your readers are walking away with um, when they close the last page.
3: Well, our pre- warning to everyone is always, if you say, I know just who needs that book. It's you. You need the book. (laughs) You you need the book. It is not a book that is a guideline to convince uh, the family member you're always fighting with to believe just like you do. It's not what the book is. The first half of the book is it says, start with you. Like you have to start with your inner work. You have to think through your values. You have to do what I was talking about earlier, which is say, okay, wait, where did I just. Put on the jersey, adopt the party line, and not think through where my experience is lacking, where I don't understand what I'm talking about, where I don't understand the history, and that's really, really hard. We say it's not—it's not complicated. It's just hard. It's simple. It's just not easy. Um, yes. And it's a practice. I mean, you just have to do it over and over and over again and keep engaging. This isn't like, it's a long game. We're not going to have one conversation, one grace-filled conversation even, and say, well, we fixed it. We're good. Uh, This is something that you have to do because you have to stumble. You have to get mad and yell and realize, oh, wait, that didn't help me. It hurt they yeah. hurt their relationship and then try get up the next day and do it again. You have to misspeak and realize you've hurt somebody else or that your perspective was lacking and face that vulnerability and understand, okay, I did it. I, the sun came up. Let me try again. Um, Good. that's what we really are trying to get at that this can be, you know, it's when we say we built a friendship around politics, that's what we're trying mm-hmm. to get convey. But also that politics, Talking about politics, particularly with people in your life who you love and trust, who disagree with you, Mm. can be a path to self-growth. It doesn't have to be this oppressive experience in which we all leave a little less than where we started. That's not Mm. what we do on Pantsuit Politics. That's not been my experience over the last three years. It has been that I engage with someone who is different from me. Um, and we and I understand her better. I understand myself better. I understand the world better and that I'm a better, more empathetic, more vulnerable, more engaged citizen because of that.
0: It's great. I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly how I experienced the both of you and the shared work that you put onto the world. And it's just so refreshing to hear you say that because, I mean, there's just a trope out there that goes along with complicated political conversations, which is that it is unequivocally a dumpster fire. And so even just hearing you say that's, there's another possibility. Mm -hmm. There is a possibility for like human connection, um, for empathy and for personal growth. I mean, it's just a completely different storyline than what we have around politics. And, I appreciate it so much, this hard work that you have both done and continue to do. And it such, such such a good example for the rest of us. So dialing into that just a little bit into sort of the ethos of the way that um, you connect and, and talk in front of all of us. Do you have some specific tips for how the rest of us can talk to somebody that we disagree with, even vehemently, I mean, even passionately alongside an either side of an issue, like, um, how do we explain our perspective? And then more importantly, how do we listen without just our heads like blowing off of our shoulders, right? Um, And then finally, on the end of that, is there a time just to walk away from it? So I just I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: You know, our book is about approaching politics from a relational perspective instead of a transactional perspective. Everything politically is transactional. If you say the thing I like, then I'll vote for you. If you do this compromise in this legislation, we'll give you that even in our personal relationships, I'm going to talk to you because I want you to ultimately walk away and agree with me. I want to persuade you. And what we're saying is let's just walk back and change the goal. Let's make the goal to learn and to be closer to one another. And if you will just mm. change the goal, like walk into this conversation not to persuade but to grow you're going to have a completely different discussion. It's not always easy. And there are times when you have to walk away. If you feel threatened, if your identity is being disrespected, sometimes we just know, like, I'm not capable of growing right now. I'm too emotionally invested. That's all right. We're all human. Then walk away, but then commit to coming back and doing it again if it's with a person who does uphold your dignity and from whom you can learn something and grow.
3: And I would say, I wanted to add one thing. I think what's embedded. been so good articulating this and like helping me think through this, which is there are people who are called to be uncomfortable so that other people can feel safe. And I have a lot of privilege in my identity. And there are a lot of people who I say, you know, we went on a a radio show and we were talking about this and this woman was furious. You know, children are at risk at the border and people are at risk. Mm. And you want me to be nice. No, I don't want I'm not calling on anybody who feels threatened by those issues to engage in a conversation with someone who is fundamentally disrespecting their identity. Hmm. But for me, I have a privilege that I can walk into some spaces and I have some relatives who if I do not disrupt that narrative, nobody will they mm. will engage with media that agrees with them they will engage with people who agree with them and i'm not even trying to change their mind but if i don't show up and say that's not my experience i don't see mm. it that way they don't ever hear that and to me that's you know that is so important to just disrupt a way just to say hey i love mm. you and you know i don't hate america and i don't see it that way mm. and to me like that's just really important work that we just decided it's too hard. It's everybody gets mad. And so Mm -hmm. we let it go and we ceded that territory. And, you know, like I see it with my own father who has very, very different political opinions. And the longer Mm -hmm. I go without engaging with him, the angrier he gets. Mm -hmm. If I talk to him regularly, we have better conversations. The longer I go and then we pick it back up, the stakes are higher, he's madder. And it's just, I Mm -hmm. I can just see what's, I can just feel the shift in him when I wasn't there going, uh, 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 -uh." Uh and I just, that's so important.
0: I appreciate you saying that. And I, I appreciate you bringing in the notion of privilege because, um, in so many ways, the way that we are able to engage politically is a function of our privilege. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Um, whether, you know, how, um, Close or distant we can be, um, how objective or not we can be, especially as both of you just mentioned, when it's deeply related to identity. Um, so I, I thank you for just saying that out loud. That some of us, by nature of just how and where and who we were born to, have a greater degree of responsibility to be uncomfortable. Yes. Um, the onus is on us um, when it comes to policies that affect lives and human people and um where power is unevenly distributed so i i thank you for saying that and i know you've just spent a whole lot of time saying that this is not what you do and this is not why you do it however have either of you ever successfully changed someone's mind on an issue um <laughs> uh, or have had has somebody changed yours like have you engaged something with somebody from a different um sort of ideological space and you went you know what i've I think I've switched on this.
2: Every conversation I have with Sarah changes me. Every single one. Hmm. There is not a time when I get up from the microphone after we talk about something, seeing the issue we started on in exactly the same way. There are big shifts that I can identify. Hmm. Things like coming to understand that just the data doesn't support trickle trickle down economics as a theory. You know, we tried it. Hmm. Didn't work. Okay. I can move okay. on from that. I'm not going to. Uh, live and die on that hill, you know? So there are big changes like that that I can identify. But I think the bigger thing is constantly coming to understand That Sarah loves America, too. And Sarah loves freedom, too. And liberty, like her interest in fairness comes from a lot of the same places that my interest in fairness comes from. The fact that we view what fair means differently sometimes or view what freedom means differently sometimes, that's good and that's healthy and it's helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think she just teaches me to listen to a lot of different perspectives other than my own and come to see that what I believe is enabling most people to have the greatest opportunity is always true, because I don't mm. fully understand how that opportunity comes to people who are different than me. And I think Sarah has mm. just been a really important teacher for me on that issue.
3: It's great. I love that answer. And I would say absolutely the same. You know, mm-hmm. let me just let me put a disclaimer out here. Okay. I'm an Enneagram one. I want to okay. be <laughs> self-righteous. I want there to be sure. two choices and one of them will be correct. Okay. That, <laughs> and it's not only that, but it. it is my personal obligation to con- sure. convince and to fix it. So sure,
0: Beth What are you, Beth, by the way? I'm a two. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> yep.
3: Beth, pretty early in the podcast, she identified this shockingly brilliant ana- an, uh, metaphor for the left and the right. Not shockingly because it was brilliant from her. Just like, it's just right. so, well, how come anybody hasn't identified and, and illustrated this way? Cause it's just so good. She said that depending on what we're talking about, whether it's the government or the corporation or like the market, I'm the gas and she's the brakes or vice versa. So when it comes to the government, mm-hmm. I'm the gas And she's the brakes. I'm like, okay, if a government can do it, Uh let's do it. Let's bring the Uh power of the federal government to every problem we've got. I'm ready. Let's do it. And she's the Uh brakes going, yeah, but how would you feel if like she, the other day she said, how would you feel about government run healthcare under a Trump administration? And I can't stop thinking Uh about that question.
0: Oh, it's great.
3: And so she just, it's gas and brakes, Uh but if it's the market, she's like gas, let's do it. Let's let the market try. And I'm like, Uh remember Facebook? That didn't go so great. So let's think about mm. some brakes here. And then what I love about the gas and the brakes is there's not one perfect answer every time you right. can't drive a car right. with all gas or with all brakes. You got to have both. Right. And when we think about each other like that as pushing and balancing each other, as opposed to I need to be in charge 100 percent of the time because I had monopoly on the right approach or they right. are the enemy and they absolutely should never be in charge, which is just not realistic in a democracy, then right. it helps me it helps me orient myself.
0: So one more question and then we'll sort of wrap it up. Obviously 2020 elections coming up. I'd love to hear your predictions. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? I know it's early. We're early in the season. Everything's just a guess really, but um, I'm, I'm curious your predictions and and what you hope to see from both candidates and from voters.
3: Oh Lord. We were so wrong last time, Beth. We were, well,
0: everyone was so. That's
1: That's
2: true. Well, I think my first prediction is that people are going to start running out of money, and so some mm. of this energy on the Democratic side is going to have to consolidate. It's just not sustainable yeah, to yeah. have this many people who want to be the president of these United States. Yes. So, it's, I'm people are running run out of money. Um, I think yes. what you what would be great for America is to emerge with kind of a representative of each lane in the Democratic primary. You know, the Republican Party has so. Marshalled its support on the president to the point of even disbanding its debate committee that mm. I just don't I had hoped so long for a Republican challenger to the president. I just don't think that's going to happen. So I think right. it would be great in the Democratic field if you sort of had one candidate who is just leading edge progressive um, I think that's Elizabeth Warren, but you know the Bernie mm. people will disagree with me. But I, I think that's her. Yeah. Um, I think it would be great to have one like Barack Obama esque inspirational figure for me. That's mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg. Um, yeah. I think one sort of moderate person, whether it's Biden or Klobuchar um, mm-hmm. or somebody like a John Delaney. I don't. I don't think he'll get enough steam to be that person. But but one right. sort of moderate person, um, and then the person who feels like they could really take fight to trump for me that's kamala harris and if that if it mm. could kind of whittle down to those options where people could see them in starker relief and really hear from them and think through you know who who is going to best represent this party in the next election i, th- I think that would be a, a great robust conversation for the country to have
3: mm.
0: that's awesome i love that what do you think
3: i heard a I was just listening to a podcast and the host was saying that he, he often feels like demographic change is driving so much, but that the culture is like 10 years in front of that demographic demographic change and the politics is about 10 years behind that demographic hmm. change because of the way people vote based on their age. Yeah, And I think that's, we're just in this really intense period where for better or for worse, America is dealing with a lot of, big demographic changes first black president first female speaker of the house, house. like yeah. these big that in other countries really tear it apart and you know mm. on a note of grace that doesn't seem to happened here it feels like it sometimes mm. but we are still functioning that's right so i to give ourselves some grace and to say there's a lot going on in america yeah demographically, technologically, on a global level, with our economy, with our education, just all our institutions are are standing on this very, very shaky ground that's shifting in big, big ways. And we're thinking through all these big questions, these big changes. And what does it mean to be an American? What does American look like? But I think as we're looking at all these things as Americans to give ourselves some grace for what we're facing and that what we're trying to tackle with always not the best tools and, um, but that for better or for worse, we're in it together.
0: Hey everybody, Jen breaking in for just a second. I am, as you know, A huge advocate for counseling and feel like sometimes we just need a little guidance from a trusted source who can help us look at things objectively and find a way forward. So BetterHelp Counseling, it's an online resource that offers licensed professional counselors and they're specialized in issues like depression and stress, anxiety, relationships, family conflicts, grief, honestly, you name it so much more. Um, You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe, private, absolutely confidential online environment. Uh, You can even schedule secure video or phone sessions or chats or texts with your therapist. And so best of all, it is truly affordable, which hinders a lot of us from good counseling. And so for you guys, the listeners of the For the Love podcast, BetterHelp is giving you 10% off your first month with the discount code for the love. So if you're needing a little help getting to that good change in your life, go to betterhelp.com slash for the love. Okay. So one more time, betterhelp.com slash for the love using the code for the love. Okay. Back to our show. Okay. Three just quickies right off the top. Just whatever comes to mind. Um, Zippy answers. Here we go. I want to hear from both of you. Um, uh, And we'll start with you, Beth. So who's a truth teller that you admire? Anyone? Like, it can be from history or someone current, someone modern.
2: Representative Justin Amash.
0: Hmm. It just and quickly, why? Because he is the only
2: Republican member of Congress who has been willing to say, "I read the Mueller report, I'm troubled by it. I yes. think Congress has a responsibility okay. to take some action." That's
0: great. That's great. What about you, Sarah?
3: I think every day about the note I'm going to get, teary. The note over Rachel Held Evans' desk that said, "Tell the truth." Mm. I think about yeah. her dedication to telling the truth almost every day.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that so much. Sorry, same. Um, driving force for me also. Okay. How about this? This It's one of the most insightful thinkers right now to you, someone who is speaking and you're like, I'm listening when you're talking, I'm listening.
2: For me, it's Megan Garber at the Atlantic. She writes Mm. so thoughtfully, particularly about the Me Too movement and everything tangential to it. And I think she's really good at saying this is hard. It is, it is challenging. Every situation is not the same. I think she does so well at getting past sort of call out culture and into
3: what's really going on. So I want to read everything Great. she writes. Fabulous. I should give Sarah? to the podcast host I was just talking about, um, Ezra Klein. That's who I think he's having some of the most, the, the deepest conversations about some of the changes in our culture, in our politics. He is not perfect. Beth kind of rolls her eyes. <laughs>
2: not kind of, I do
3: a lot. It's okay. I just like all the way roll. Yeah. (laughs) Uh I I listen to him and I, I feel him pushing people and saying, this part doesn't make sense to me. This is what I'm thinking about. And you know, in his last podcast, he did use the word grace, which you don't hear a lot in, in political Mm -hmm. punditry. So I I listen to every conversation on his podcast. I like him a lot. Awesome.
0: All right. Last question. You guys have answered this for me before. Um, what is saving your life right now?
2: Okay, listen, this is an eye-rolly answer, but it's calligraphy. That's fine. It's calligraphy. Did you say calligraphy? Yes, I'm learning how to it. You've got to tell us more.
0: (gasps) (gasps) Are you? Yes,
2: and the reason is there's something very meditative about it. Hot yoga is like this. Like when you're doing hot yoga, you cannot think about anything else. You're just surviving. I needed a low intensity version of hot yoga in my life.
0: I see what you're saying.
2: So when you're doing calligraphy, like those really thin strokes, you just can't be thinking about anything else or it's not going to happen. And it's just this really nice, contained, beautiful Zen practice for me.
0: Oh my gosh. That is so fabulous. Uh, That's so old fashioned and lovely. Um, That's a great answer. Okay. How about you, sir?
3: So I have not worn a swimsuit in probably four or five years. I wear a Sarah. rash guard and swim leggings, <laughs> hat, long sleeves, pants. So it literally might be saving my life from cancer. So I think literally applicable. Here's what I really come to realize I about I mean, the amount of energy I spent not trying to get sunburned. I'm very pale. Was massive. So just taking that off my plate is huge. And here's something else I realized that I think is even almost more important than the whole skin skin cancer aspect. Okay, I'm 37 years old. I've had three nine pound babies, and I'm never getting a bikini wax again as long as I live. Okay, and I'm just not doing it. And so with the swim (laughs) leggings, like I can't get in and out of the inner tube at the water park. I can climb in and out of a pontoon boat worry free. I'm just (laughs) worry. free it is the truest expression of freedom i cannot. The greatest i cannot even tell you get on board people swim are allowed they're the worst they're i the just, worst thing thats um, that
0: is that'll never be repeated like nobody else is ever going to say that to the answer to that question for the rest of this podcast life um please tell me you have a picture of yourself in your full garb to send that we can put on absolutely the transcript page for this podcast
3: absolutely i do Oh, you know it's it. It's just so like you are just
0: doing you at right. the local It's pool amazing. And- I'm free. Free. <laughs> <You're> free. <laughs> free. Oh, I love it. And I love both of you guys. I um, thank you so much for who you are and how you are and your work in the world right now. It matters more than ever, ever, ever. I'm just, I with absolutely no reserve and no chill send everybody to you. Like all my listeners, no matter where they are on the spectrum, no matter what their ideology is. I'm like, please tell me you're listening to Sarah Beth. And I just find you such trustworthy guides right now. And that matters to me. And that it matters that I'm putting leaders like you in front of my community. And so you're just stuck with me. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, so that's just what it is. So well, we could not
3: adore you more. Let's not forget about the major therapy session we had when you came on our podcast the first time where Sarah cried right. like a lot. I right.
0: uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming on again as my second only repeat episode mm-hmm. since the podcast beginning. It's just not going to be the end. We'll have you on again. We thank adore you. Jan. Thank Thanks you guys. What a good conversation. I cannot tell you how much I learned from those girls. I mean like deep in my soul. I listen to them and something in my inner workings just reroutes. I I appreciate them so much for their example, for their counsel. Anyway, go back go over to their podcast for heaven's sake and subscribe. Um, their book, what a fabulous tool! Like this is just good for us right now. i as we're looking around at the nation going, We are so fractured, how are we ever ever going to find a path forward? I think their example and their leadership is one way, and so um'm always proud to put uh leaders like them in front of you and grateful for them more to come in this series like this i promise you that this series is meant to be a third way and how are how do we become responsible listeners how do we develop media lit- literacy um how do we meet move forward in a way where we are not being manipulated but rather we are driving our own ships like this is this is my goal for this series, and I'm telling you that the guests are absolutely going to deliver. So you're not going to want to miss any of these episodes in this entire series. We're so excited about it and proud of it. So uh, subscribe, you guys, if you haven't already. It'll take you 12 seconds to subscribe to the podcast, and it'll just show up for you. So you don't have to do any work for that at all, and you'll have me and my guests right there in your device week after week without having to do any work, and we appreciate you all of you have reviewed and rated us it's just um you're the greatest listening community so um thanks for being here week in and week out and for um being such supporters of the show my entire team is grateful so on behalf of laura and her entire team and amanda and i we uh, love to bring this to you week in week out and we thank you for your loyalty see you next week guys that's it for today's show hope you enjoyed this chat Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.